I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm pretty open about stuffing up. I stuff up a lot and I fail a lot and I trip a lot and I actually have learned to love that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What matters most? It's different for everyone. You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. I feel like today's guest was born at exactly the right time. She's all about self-help and putting yourself out there. She's not afraid to take risks. Plus, she's loads of fun. Well, it's my great pleasure today to welcome Lola Berry to Short Black. G'day, Lola. G'day. G'day. <laughs> you are a busy woman, Bachelor of Health Science, uh, ambassador, speaker, one of Australia's leading nutritionists, uh, yoga practitioner, the list goes on, author of multiple books. You've got your own podcast. I'm already tired. <laughs> Feelings mutual, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your world? My world is good. I'm I have fallen in love with this podcasting. I didn't realize how much I would love it and like just really lights me up. And yeah. What is it about podcasts that you love? I love connecting with other humans. I love hearing passion. It really excites me, like knowing what is your jam, I just love. And so if I can get more of that and hopefully that then translates so that the listeners are hopefully inspired, then happy days. Health and fitness is your bag. Yeah. But is that the only sort of podcast you listen to? Oh, my goodness, no. I've got so many podcasts I'm going to I love Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. I love Smartless, which is a new one with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Ryan, I think. the um, com- Like he's a comedy actor off um, Will and Grace. It might be Ryan Sean. My brain does visual things. So I bet you it's flipping around. But it's so funny and Jason Bateman is so dry. So if you're used to seeing him in Ozark, and then you listen to him, like, take the mickey out of himself. It is so much fun. I'm just listening, smiling ear to ear. And when do you listen to your podcasts? Usually on the way to and from yogs. That's my word for yoga. So I live in Byron Bay and it's about a 20-minute drive each way to where I do yoga. So that's my podcast time. Like you, I listen when I'm driving and doing other things. But I love listening to it at night, you know, when the room's dark. And it's the voice, the tone, that conversation that just takes you to another place. But, look, your world is all about wellness. Do people get intimidated, do you think? And do you understand that intimidation when you're presented with someone that oozes good health, wellness, well-being, fitness, health? Because the reality of life is it's just difficult sometimes to do all the right things. 
totally, I get intimidated. Oh, like, yes, I'm a nutritionist and a yogi, but I still eat chocolate and too much ice cream and do the wrong thing every now and then. It was just Valentine's Day recently. I had a few martinis. Like, I'm all about balance. I'm sure that people do feel a little bit intimidated, but I don't think they would buy me because I'm pretty open about stuffing up. I stuff up a lot and I fail a lot and I trip a lot and I actually have learned to love that in life but also in health and wellness. So what sort of advice do you give to people who are struggling to get back on the treadmill of good health? So I strip it right back. Keep it simple one day at a time and don't overthink it. I think the mind moves faster than the body. So if you eat really well for two days and you're like, oh, why don't I feel better? It's like, well, the body's a little bit slower than the mind. So go slow, go easy on yourself, drop all guilt. Most of my nutrition clients, I still practice as a nutritionist. I'm working on dropping guilt with them first. And then I build the healthy eating habits because if they're beating themselves up, you're on a losing kind of hamster wheel of like they'll overindulge, feel guilty, do it again, deprive themselves, blah, blah, blah. So you want to drop the guilt. That's the number one thing for health. And then you just want to take it day by day and remember what works for my body. It's not going to work for yours. So listen to your body. If you do well with eating carbs, great. If you don't do well, I can't eat many carbs. I feel really bloated if I eat them at night, you know, start to listen to your body. What do you deny yourself that you really love and you know you shouldn't? Okay, I'll be honest. I love, and it's got to be a giant one, a giant caramello koala. They're the best treat in the world. Yeah, my EP's got a drawer of them. And he knows when I wander in, it's like, and you can get the miniature one. (laughs) It doesn't feel as guilty. I don't feel as bad if I just have a baby caramello koala. totally. (laughs) I found a good healthy version or healthy Oh, stop it. Yeah. Don't spoil my fun. Exactly. So there you go. Giant caramello koalas. I think they taste better than the mini ones because they've got more caramel. That's my That's your thing. Yes. So COVID sideswiped the world and it sideswiped a lot of us because it forced us to go on holiday. We went to the kitchen or we went to the living room, but the kitchen was often can be a confronting and depressing place. It's getting the inspiration every day to do things with what you've got. You know, how do you stay excited about food? I've written a lot of nutrition and recipe books and I bring a new book out later this year and it's got not one recipe in it because I was over it, to be completely honest with you. I'm over it. Yeah, it's too much. My boyfriend, he's Italian and he says, oh, my goodness, you're not a foodie, Lola. Like you actually love to eat really healthy and he's like you'll rotate like four or five meals very happily and I'm like, yeah, because I know they make me feel good. I know they nourish me. I know what I can have if I want to treat. Like I know what my little vices are. Whereas he's much more creative and intuitive in the kitchen. It's not so much my jam, which might sound really weird to say, but I get over it too. But he's Italian, so, you know, he's going to want to serve up a bit of pasta. I know he's so good with me, though. We'll do zucchini noodles. He's found lentil pasta for me because I can't do gluten. I'm very lucky. What's your favourite recipe right now? Oh, I would probably say my favourite go-to for like on the go, and it's great because you can get good takeaway versions of it here in Sydney. I love a poke bowl. You know, you can get your rice on the bottom or some shredded cabbage and then you can get avocado and salmon or tuna. Steamed chicken. Yeah, and like edamame beans. I quite like that and there's so many options so you can kind of make it whatever suits you. I did the late shift forever and, and so I'm not the cook in the house, my husband is, but um, people would say to me, you know, what's your sort of shopping trip like? I don't hate grocery shopping, but I find it uninspiring. It's sort of a, a perfunctory duty. 
But you have Australia, and most capital cities at least, have the best takeaway in the world. Oh, yeah. And the amount of money I would waste on a grocery shop when I would rather I have my go-to half dozen inspiring food joints. I actually find it more economical to buy a really healthy lunch regularly. And I, I tend to have a bigger lunch. How do you manage your food during the day to keep you healthy, well, lean and mean? I think it's cool that you've said how you have a bigger lunch because obviously you've got quite a late shift ahead of you. So I think it's about knowing what works for you. Some people, like my boyfriend, he's got to have brekkie, get up, have brekkie, have his morning coffee. Whereas for me, I really love intermittent fasting. So I'll try and fast till midday and then I'll break that at lunch and then I'll have an Arvo snack and then I'll have a quite a big dinner and then I'll have a little dessert if I feel like it because I've fasted in the morning. That's not for everybody. I thought intermittent fasting had to be sort of an eight-hour block. What's the science behind intermittent fasting? It's meant to be about 16 hours usually. So if you have dinner at six or seven at night, the average punter, you're meant to carry that through till about midday if you can. And the theory is it gives your organs a chance to regenerate, detoxify, but it's not for everybody. And like, I'll tell all my nutrition clients, like try it. If it doesn't work for you, don't do do it. Like it's definitely not the be all and end all. No way. Nor is any diet. Like I've got clients that don't need to be gluten-free. I'll give them heaps of spelt recipes or rye recipes or use oats. Just because I don't have them in my diet doesn't mean they're not great. You know, I'm really about you do you. What about the view that lots of small meals and snacking during the day, clearly healthy snacks, is that something you believe in? My mum, that's the way that she has always eaten and always been. She's like a little sparrow. She's a grazer throughout the day. And it totally works for her. I prefer to have my sit down. I love to sit down and have my meal, wash my trashy TV, you know, like a, <laughs> it's kind of a nice ritual for me. So I'll eat bigger meals because I like that experience and my bigger meals will be lunch and dinner. And then in between that, if I get hungry, like I really try to listen to my body, then I might go for a snack or a green smoothie. You know, I just really try to be intuitive and tune in with the bod. I think a decade ago we talked about everyone being time poor, but now it's our reality. Everyone is stretched so thin with no time. So when it comes to grabbing a snack, I don't want to hear that I need to grab another carrot. I do buy bags of snow peas. I love munching on snow peas. Give us some tips on some great snacks that are healthy, fulfilling, nourishing and don't make you feel like you're being one of those boring, healthy people. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to answer that without not being a boring, healthy person because I would just be like, yeah, grab some almonds, have some berries. I mean, there are some clean protein bars out there now and I use them like I'm flying the Savo. That'll be my snack. I just think a good trick is when you make dinner or um, lunch, if you make enough for like leftovers, that's a really good thing if you're time poor. And leftovers can be like you make a casserole or curry, whatever it is, make that for lunch the next day. I know that's not really a snack, but like I'm all about meal prepping. That's a real trick to staying on track. Prepare it, put it in the diary, you know, like prepare where you're going to go. Otherwise, if we get too hungry, that's when the willpower drops and our brain is like quick, feed me sugar and something really quick. I should apologise when I said boring, healthy people because it's really wrong to say that it's not actually what I believe. Because you're only as good as the food you feed yourself in terms of your ability to think clearly, get enough sleep, manage your health, manage your wealth, you know, manage your energy levels for the day. But people do get overwhelmed and confronted with the concept of changing their life. Totally. It's too hard basket. How do you advise people when they say, I know I've derailed, I know I'm taking shortcuts, I feel like crap, 
can't get back. This might sound like a really weird response to give you, but most of the time if I have a repeat client that where they'll keep falling off the wagon and I can see that it's clearly psychological or it's emotional eating or it's because they're in a really um, yucky job they don't like, I'll often be like, this is where you're going to get more results by looking after your mental health than seeing a nutritionist. And I'll often refer them to a counsellor or therapist because otherwise you're just going to keep repeating the same habits. We self-sabotage when it comes to health and wellness. And don't get me wrong, I want to eat, I would love to eat giant caramel koalas forever and not have to eat salads. Like I would love that. But um, I know it doesn't make me feel good and I know that that would be making me not the best version of myself. So I always kind of like come back to that's my internal dialogue. What's going to serve me? What's going to nourish me? What's going to feed my brain? But yeah, often... Often you'll find health stuff when people keep making the same mistakes, even though they know they should be doing the right thing. I will generally work on mental health. How many men come to see you? Not many, not many at all, like a handful. Most of my clients now are on Zoom because of COVID. And so at the moment, to be completely honest with you, I've just got women on my books. But over the years, more like pro athletes will come to me for advice because they're like, oh, I want to understand how I'm nourishing myself. It's never been Joe Blow just coming off the street. But I do feel like men are feeling the same sort of pressures women have felt for years, if not decades and decades. Do you see that yourself just in, you know, your professional networks? Yeah, and on social media, 100%. Even even in my boyfriend who's like gorgeous, got zero body fat on him, he'll be like, oh, I want to work on my side obliques. And I'm like, chill your beans, mate. You look great. You've got nothing to worry about. We're happy. We're loved, you know, and I just, that's where again. If you can come, bring it back to like validating yourself through your own self-worth, not from something external, that real intrinsic value versus extrinsic value. You're a big fan of therapy yeah. and you talk it up a lot. Why do you think everyone needs to find their therapist? Well, I know that it's, first of all, I know that it's a total privilege to even have the money to get a therapist because they can be really expensive. So I'll call myself out on that one first. But I think for me, it was my game changer. It was my penny drop moment. I had been through a string of really horrible relationships and I a friend said, you've got to go to a therapist. You're dating the same personality traits and you're getting hurt every single time. And I remember we worked, I went to a therapist, ball my eyes out. We worked through this really rough breakup in six sessions. And I said, can I keep coming back? And he goes, yeah, I want to get you bulletproof. And that's three years ago and I haven't, I haven't missed a session. So you started a small business, which is really the Lola Berry business, books, podcasts, speaking. Was there a pivotal moment that made you realise that you could chase your dreams and have them? Yeah, I've always chased my dreams. Like straight out of school, I went to drama school. I thought I'd be the next Kate Blanchett, as you do. So I've always kind of been creative and quirky and I've always backed myself. My dad has always owned his own business. So I think growing up, seeing him build a veterinary clinic, be a vet and run it. My bedroom was that like we lived above the vet clinic. So watching 
like a mentor and hero in many ways run his own race, I was like, I can run my own race, you know. So, yeah, I dropped out of acting school, became a DJ of all things, a makeup artist, and then started to realise I've got this passion for health and that's when I started. I went back to uni and studied and got a degree. But I've always kind of backed myself. I've never, I don't really believe in getting caught up in your own hype or drinking your own Kool-Aid, any of that jazz, but I've thought I'm real, I'm honest, and I'm passionate. So why not chase that, that feeling that kind of lights me up? But when you start a business, there's always failings. Yeah. What are the key lessons you'd pass on for those that are starting out on their own that want to chase their passion and make it their reality? Yeah, I mean, I've had heaps of failings. Like? Oh, well, I had a smoothie bar and I was so excited. It was called Happy Place and it was, I got like all these recipes, put all my heart and everything into them and it just, it was in Melbourne and it would do really well in the summer and it had a bomb in the winter. Horrible, like we'd have to float it every single winter. And my business partners were like, we want to sell. And I burst into tears and I was female, five um, male partners. And I just burst into tears. No one knew what to do. And I said, give me two weeks to think about it. They wanted me to buy the business. And I intuitively, I was like, this is not my passion. I know that's not where I need to be. And I just stepped away and I was really comfortable to take the lesson from it. But like my advice for people listening, if you've got a small business, you need a good bookkeeper, you need a good accountant, you need to outsource people that are better at things than you are. And it was my bookkeeper that was like, this numbers, you keep floating it every single winter. It's been three and a half years now. Pulling the pin on this is a great opportunity. You don't live close to it, you know. So identify your weaknesses. Yeah. And then as you say, outsource. Well, you can, yeah. And be really like, I love criticism. To my managers, I'll be like, what do you think of this book cover? Honest opinion, honest feedback. I really like feedback. And when are you confronted with bad feedback? What do you do with it? Yeah. I mean, I've done TV segments before and been told I look like rubbish. My hair wasn't good enough. My outfit was too hippie or whatever. I actually remember one day I I started in morning TV on um, 9am with David and Kim years ago now. And I remember I loved it. It was the highlight of my week. I'd go on, do my nutrition seggy, talk about, cook a recipe. But I'd also work in a health store in Melbourne as well. So I'd often go from set, waddle down to Pram Market, work in this health store. And you'd see people that might have watched the show. And I remember this lady came up to me and we made smoothies as well. And she was a new, prominent nutritionist in Melbourne. I really looked up to her so much. And I said, oh, you're so-and-so. I said, I'm a big fan. And she said, I know you. And I said, you don't know me. We've never met before, but I'm just, I love what you do. And she said, no, I know you. You're that girl off morning TV. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I do. And she said, you are a disgrace to the nutrition industry. And I said, okay, I'll pass on your feedback. I was 23 at the time, so pretty impressionable. And she said, how can anyone take you seriously by the way that you dress? Ouch. Yeah, right. I'm 23. Like, you know, she was a little bit older than me too. So I looked up to her. She was the doing what I wanted to do. And I was just like, right. And, And there were five other people lined up behind her for smoothies. And I made all their smoothies in silence. Made the smoothies, ran, locked the door, ran out the back, bawled my eyes out. And in that moment, I was like, I can let this person's own yuck stuff, their own pain or whatever you want to call it, I can let it really affect the rest of my career. And because she was basically saying, you're a disgrace, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Or I can know that it's her stuff, not mine. And that was kind of like a penny drop moment. 
You talk a lot about healthy smoothies and it was an early business. I'm a fan of a morning protein smoothie, but there's a lot of negativity around smoothies being meal replacements. Are they meal replacements? Some are. So like if you go to a chemist and they give you like a shake, a meal replacement shake, but you've got, to, you've got to be a bit of a detective and read the back. And if it feels like year 10 chemistry class and it's E15 this and da, 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 you don't know what the ingredients are, put it down. It'll probably outlive you, right? But if it's like you're adding a bit of protein powder to a, a smoothie that's got frozen banana, blueberries, spinach, bit of almond milk, bit of cinnamon, happy days. Bring it back to Whole Foods. That would be my advice. I grew up in Queensland and I love fresh fruit and veggies and my naturopath has always said no more than two pieces of fruit a day, Sandra, otherwise it's too much. And As kids we would go to the fruit markets and mum would yeah. buy boxes of grapes and nectarines and you name it and I could sit there and just inhale fruit, just love it. But you can overdo it. You can. I mean, I lived in the Gold Coast as well and, oh, the, even the avocados were incredible, the mangoes and just the quality of the food there is insanely amazing. Yeah, okay, fruit is a carbohydrate. It's going to convert to sugar in the body, right? But also you can you can accidentally like jack up your insulin, like you can give yourself a bit of a blood sugar spike. So a good little trick is if you're going to have dried fruit, which is obviously naturally higher in sugars, have it with a handful of nuts to reduce the glycemic index. So it's got a more slow release energy going on. Is it true you should have fruit outside, away from any other meals? You should have them on, the, on their own. And if that's true, why? You know so much about our health. So that's the food combining diet. And yes, because most fruit takes generally around 20 minutes to digest and pass through the stomach. So, yes, it is good if you can't digest different foods at different times. So people that go on those diets usually have real digestive issues to to need to do that, whereas if you're a healthy, happy human, mixing a bit of fruit and nut is no problem even though they've got slightly um, different kind of like digestion times. It's only if you've got digestive discomfort and issues that you'd look at the food combining and, and separating food times and when you eat them. Are you a red meat girl or a white meat girl or both? Bit of both, bit of both. I'm, I probably lean most into the paleolithic diet. Break that down for me, will you? Because there's a lot of jargon. So the paleo diet, literally going back to the like Neanderthal days. So we're talking before grain. So you, it's quite heavy on protein, fat and complex carbohydrates. So all, you've, all your plethora of veggies. You can have fruits on it, but the idea is in the hunter-gatherer time, you'd kind of like find some berries one week, but then you might not find it the next week. So it's not about going heavy on fruit or sweeteners. It's kind of more complex, slow-release carbs, like your broccoli, your kale, think all your green things. Carrots even is fine, but it's it's you don't go too heavy on fruit. That's why I always find I, my body responds best to that, but I love a sneaky carbohydrate. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I often wonder if I eat too much red meat, but, you know, when I was at school and did loads of sport, I would have a T-bone steak for breakfast three mornings a week and people would say, you you didn't. Even my mum can't actually remember that, but I loved sitting down and having a steak for breakfast. It would be unheard of now. I I couldn't do it now. My body must have needed it then because I, you know, didn't stop. Yeah, and it's your protein. So, like, that's what the muscles use. You're replenishing glycogen like you need it. When I was really strict with my paleo diet, I remember I would eat steaks for breakfast and go and buy like organ meats, which was like a whole nother level. It was too far. So why aren't you strict on it anymore? Uh, 
I do love like, you know, I love a bit of cow. I love my fruit as well, a bit like you. And so I'm more now just go for what feels good. And what I like, I also say to people, food is here for two reasons. Yes, one to nourish you, but it's also here to celebrate with people you love. So if it falls into either of those courts, like that means sometimes I'm going to cheat and have some sneaky fries when I'm out or something like that. So for me now, it's more about the experience and what feels good, not just physically, but also like emotionally and mentally. Do I need a little like meal out with my boyfriend or do I want to go out for a nice piece of cake or something? It's more mindful now. You remind me of a conversation I had with my sister-in-law not that long ago. You're right about food. It is about sharing the experience. And when it came to having a drink, I said to her, you know, do you like vodka or gin or dark spirits? And she said, Sandra, I always want wine with my meal. And, you know, wine's got a lot of sugar. So you try to sort of not have too much wine and everybody loves vodka because it doesn't have all the sugar and blah, blah, blah. But she said, I love wine because I'm sharing a bottle. Yeah. I'm sharing that experience. And it really hit home. Mm. And in like, look at the Mediterranean diet. That's me. But that's a couple of glasses a night. If you want, that's one to two glasses of red wine a night on the Mediterranean diet. Don't look at me with a sideways glance as if I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> no, but I mean, as in you can't like, yeah. I have, my boyfriend and I have probably have wine twice a week. Just a really nice bottle of red, share it over a couple of nights. Mindful, mindful, like enjoy the moment, the experience, enjoy the texture, the flavour, you know. We're so lucky to be living in Australia, have the money to be buying wine and having great food, like take a moment. Yeah, I think that's why I hate the word diet. It's a four-letter word. And I always say when you deny yourself something, it almost exacerbates the need to have it. It's all about moderation. So any nutritionist I've ever followed, they've always stressed that it's portion control is the key. And like you just said, the denying thing, it's the purple elephant in the room, you know, like if I said you can never eat a chocolate brownie again or you can never eat one of those mini caramel quills, again, the first thing you're going to want to do is march down, get yourself, probably not one, but four of those because you think it's your last hurrah, you know, so. Moderation. Yeah, moderation and. Yeah, my mum's big on portion controls. I'm probably still learning that one, if I'm honest. I love a good meal. But, yeah, I I just think everybody is different. And also you're so active and you're so into sport. You know, I've got mates that are athletes. They consume what I consume like three times that amount daily because they need it. When I see in the supermarket shelves things marked diet something, I think that is a no-go zone. Yeah. Is that a good rule of thumb? Avoid the light version? Yes, 100%, definitely. And also like there's studies done on the word diet. It's super triggering for people that have had eating disorders. So I don't use the diet at all with any of my clients. And I, I, like I said, I always come back to feeling good. You're not going to feel good if you eat something that's got 45 ingredients in it. So here goes, I like a gin and tonic. But a tonic, tonic water is almost, you know, a soft drink. So you could get diet tonic water. And I hesitate at buying that because I think it's not real. Yeah. If you love a gin and tonic or as my, someone I follow on Instagram calls it a gin ton in the UK, one thing that he does to it, that look, it looks amazing, adds some berries to his gin ton and it looks delicious. But I think, oh, yeah, I don't think there's any problem with using real tonic. I mean, it's not like you're having eight, you're having one or two, like I love a martini. I love a martini. And 
that's alcohol, shorts, straight spirits, but it's strong. So like if I have ever more than two, it's all over. And I just think the moment that we overdo it, too much I'd be going the real tonic I wouldn't be getting all the light diet stuff but again it's also your what's going to make you feel more mindful feel better about it but a gin tonic's pretty clean gin's made from juniper berries like it's a pretty clean drink to have oh good I feel better you study wellness analysis you can read tongues nails and eyes when you meet someone new given this is what you do luckily we're not on tv (laughs) what defines a healthy tongue yeah, so when you put your tongue and people listening, like if you you might have your podcast going and be near the bathroom, just pop your tongue out in the mirror. So when the tongue comes out, you kind of want like quite a fleshy, meaty tongue. But it's not <laughs> so much that um, we're looking for. There are little telltale signs that you're kind of like, oh, that could be a deficiency in this. That's all it is. And in naturopathy and nutrition, it's a rule of three. So if someone puts their tongue out and say it's quivering quite a lot, it's often a sign of magnesium deficiency. But I wouldn't be prescribing magnesium until I see it in the irises, until I hear it in there. I want to lean close and get you looking in my eyes. No, yeah, don't. <laughs> I wish I had my, um, I should have bought my little talk because you've got a magnifying glass. So you're studying the iris, the mm-hmm. colored bit of the eye. But yeah, you rule of three. So yes, if I saw a tongue that's quivering or I saw a tongue with what's called strawberry spots, which literally the tongue will look a bit like it's got strawberry seeds on it. That's a sign of potentially calcium deficiency. I know if I ever go too hard on my coffee, I'll get, um, they call it scalloping down the side of the tongue. It just means the liver's, you know, working a little bit harder. So you'd notice that maybe after a night out, you know. But that said, you can't let that be be all and end all. Always stick to rule of three. When I was starting out in journalism, I did a story once on on someone like you and they studied people's fingernails, which I, I found fascinating. And the white spots in fingernails is a zinc deficiency. Is that correct? Yeah. So usually last two at zinc, first three is calcium. First two fingers. Yeah. So first three fingers, if there's white spots on them, calcium deficiency. You're including the thumb here. I am including the thumb here. Right. And then the last two is a zinc deficiency usually. Oh. And like little things like I bite my nails, so I'm about to give myself away. But can you see my moons? Yeah, I'm a big thing about the moons. But they diminish as you get older. And also like, you know, I since I haven't been getting my nails done for like a year, but usually they'll push your cuticle down. And so you're like, oh, I've got good vitality. I've got good moons. But really they're pushing your cuticle down. What's a healthy moon? What should it look like? You want to be able to see them so you can not see them. So you can see on some of my fingers, people listening, you'll see no moons on a lot of them, but you'll see them on my thumbs. So the thumbs is really your go-to indicator. Well, in in finger analysis, your thumb is your willpower and strength as well. Ooh. Yeah, so everyone's like this is determined, your point of finger's determination, your middle finger's balance, the ring finger is love. You know, like it's quite fun. I like all the hippie esoteric stuff I could talk to you about till the cows come home. I love it too, to be honest. So if people bristle at the gobbledygook and they just sort of go, that's a little bit airy-fairy for me, how do you get them over the line? I don't know. I don't because I know I'm not for everyone. So I'm okay if I'm not someone's cup of tea. So long as I'm being honest and real and sharing what's passionate to me. So that's kind of like I don't expect to be for everyone. But when I had that smoothie bar, happy place, everyone would get a crystal. Oh, when that's my next question. The, when they'd buy their smoothie, they'd you'd get a little crystal. And we'd get like work guys like in all their tradie and they would literally get their smoothie and be holding the crystal and like turn to their mates and be like, look what I just got. This is for abundance. And usually <laughs> they'd be really on board. So the smoothie bar was great because it was given as a gift and, and it had... The energy around it was just very giving and cool. 
How do you explain the magic of crystals if you're a disbeliever? Uh, I just think like people write to me quite a lot and be like, okay, I'm going through this thing, I need a crystal. And I'm like, well, you probably need a therapist or someone that can help you unpack that. But if you do want a little bit of like nice hippie woo-woo. Gift yourself. Yeah, go for it. Like and just enjoy it mindfully and use your intuition. I always go, what are you called to and and really trust yourself because your heart's awesome and it knows what it needs. But I got smashed. Um, I had to do like for one of the papers, like my day on a plate, and I talked about having a crystal under my pillow and I got smashed. Some morning show had a real crack at me and I just thought, well, it's true. I do have a crystal under my pillow sometimes. But why? What does it give you? Well, I have this one under my pillow called Labradorite and they say it's the crystal of manifestation and making your dreams come true. So I've got a few dreams that I'd like to come true, so I'll just sometimes hold it as I go to sleep. Not all the time, sometimes. I'm very comfy that I'm a bit quirky and I kind of like that about myself. You ooze great energy, clearly lots of good health and wellness. What are your dreams? Where will Lola Berry be in 10 years, do you think? Are you a planner? I'm a huge planner. You'll probably love this. My ultimate dream, and most people laugh because I don't have a journo background or a comedy background, but I would love to be like a Jimmy Fallon and just like host a talk show and hold space for really inspiring people that hopefully would inspire others. But most people laugh at me when I do that. And I did an audition to host a show and I really stuffed it up. I was a co-anchor and I didn't know auto cue stressed me out. So I re- I learned the lines before I went in. And then as soon as I sat down, they're like, oh, we're switching the male and female lines. And so I'd learned the other person's lines. And I walked out and I was like, I really screwed that up with auto cue. And it was more, I got in my head and I was just freaking out and I was so green. And so I was like, shivers, I need to skill up. So I called up this acting school in Melbourne and I was like, hey, can I do your TV presenting course? And they're like, it's full. Have you thought about acting? And I was like, I'd rather swim with sharks. And they're like, it's a good sign. And I've been studying for three years ever since. I just dropped into a beginner's acting class and now I train everywhere I go and I've done like, yeah, three years of it and it's all so that hopefully one day I can live that talk show dream. What I love is that you're not afraid to take risks. I think that's a key part of your armour, isn't it? Yeah, and I just think it's okay if it stuffs up because usually it still leads you somewhere. Yeah, and it's I guess it's trusting a little bit in fate there, but I just think you learn so much when you trip, so it can't be bad anyway, you know. It's okay. Yeah. It's not okay, Lola Berry, to have you here. It's wonderful. Your energy and enthusiasm is infectious. What a joy <laughs> to have you in the studio today. Thanks so much for spending some time here at Short Black. Thank you for having me. Total honour. You have been listening to Short Black, a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks. To make sure you don't miss any of our great chats, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.